0: This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. Live Saturday edition, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And as always, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their websites. We do it for free at freetalklive.com. And uh, once again, it's all free, freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about tonight on the live Saturday edition, and uh, as always, you can bring up whatever's on your mind to start things out though a story about well an absurd an absurd lawsuit about discrimination lots of people get get easily upset by this word this term discrimination we can't have this in america people discriminating making choices making decisions about who they might want to allow or disallow in their business or or residence or wherever wherever their private property might be, discrimination. Well, I think that
1: um, people are still allowed to discriminate on who they allow in their residences, but they're certainly not allowed to discriminate on who they allow in their business. As a matter of fact, you have to uh, any business you have, you have to prepare, uh, prepare for the possibility that a, a handicapped person might come in. So you have to build ramps and make your uh, bathrooms bigger and all kinds of things.
0: You know, even on the handicapped thing, uh, it's, it's easy to, um, to understand where that one comes from. I mean, it's at least understandable where that law comes from in that you're open to the business, your public business, uh, the public should be able to access your business. Therefore, you should have these ramps and that sort of thing. I'm not necessarily agreeing with the laws. I think that business owners should be able to decide on their own whether or not they want to make themselves accessible uh, to people in wheelchairs and that sort of thing. And I think that most business owners who wanted to have a good reputation would do that sort of thing. I think in the marketplace, I mean if, otherwise, if you're talking be- about a
1: retail establishment, sure, I mean, that makes right. perfectly good sense. Some businesses just don't have any use for it. um f- for instance, uh, a friend of mine, um, you know they're re- redoing their fraternity house and they have to put in um wheelchair accessible ramps for their fraternity house. Well, what if they don't have any um you know handicapped members of their fraternity? It's ridiculous. Some businesses just don't need it,
0: right. So, but I didn't really want to talk about uh, people in wheelchairs tonight. I wanted to talk about something all the more absurd. This from the Rocky Mountain News. A self-proclaimed agitator against feminism declared Ladies' Nights at Colorado Night Spots dead on Friday after prevailing in the first stage of a civil rights complaint against the Proof nightclub in southeast Denver. Steve Horner learned Thursday that Colorado's Division of Civil Rights for the Department of Regulatory Agencies sided with him in his complaint that men were unfairly having to pay cover charges and higher drink prices than women at the proof's ladies' nights. This is not satire. This is real. There's some guy going around protesting ladies' nights and bringing lawsuits against bars that have ladies' nights. Now, look, I'm not a drinker. I'm not somebody that goes out to bars, even though tonight is uh, we're doing this on... Uh, St. Patty's Day. This is the St. Patty's Day edition of Free Talk Live. So a lot of people in America, probably right now, are heading out towards the bars. And Ladies' Night is sort of a tradition. I mean, it's something that bars have been doing for a long, long time. The idea, as I understand it, and I'm somebody who's sort of on the outside. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But the idea is you give ladies free drinks and free admission to your bar. Charge guys for it. Make it so the guys have to pay to get in. Make it so the guys have to pay for the drinks. And it works because it attracts women to your bar. And of course, bars are all about giving men and women the chance to meet and that sort of thing and, and talk to one another and maybe take each other home. And so... Possibly live a, a wonderful life together afterwards. Not likely, but I suppose it's happened. It, it, I'm certain it has. So, so ladies' nights allow bars to attract women, thereby attracting more men to the bar, and of course the men buying a bunch of drinks when they get there. That's the concept, right? It it, it seems to be one that works. Well, Steve Horner is a 59-year-old corporate speaker says he's been on an anti-feminist crusade since his wife left him with two young children several uh, several years ago. He says Ladies' Night is now illegal. While Horner claims that all bars will have to cancel Ladies' Nights, officials from the Department of Regulatory Agencies said their rulings only apply to the targeted business, in this case, the proof. Wendell Pryor, director of the Regulatory Agency's Division of Civil Rights, declined to discuss Horner's complaint. He said confidentiality rules prevent him from talking about specific cases. Documents show that in Horner's case, the agency found there was probable cause that discrimination occurred. That means that Horner and the proof will have to go to mandatory mediation. If they can't agree to a mediated solution, the case will go to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. In the meantime, Horner plans to to catch any club owners who continue to offer women special deals. Quote, this is now a violation of law. I will now make it a point to visit as many ladies' nights as I can every week. I'll have my rights violated, then I'll sue them in county court and collect my $500, mm-hmm. the maximum penalty it's in quite county a job court, he's got there. for each incident of discrimination, Horner said. I feel it could net me $3,000 to $4,000 a week easy, and I'm going to do it. It takes me five minutes to be discriminated against. Karen Parker, one of the owners of the proof, said the business, quote, might have to change the way we do things. So what you have here is a loan sad sad pathetic man going around and ruining it for everybody else ruining people's freedom to conduct business how they want to. of course it's actually the government that's doing the ruining but right. this man is the catalyst he's the man who's claiming that he's being discriminated against by these ladies nights
1: you know um it it just goes to show that we you know this is what happens when you do when you put these discrimination laws in play you know i'm sure that there's a bar owner out there that if we, you know, made all discrimination laws illegal. Um, would not allow black people in their bar. I'm sure there's one out there somewhere in America. I'm sure there is as well. And, um, you know, I wouldn't go to his bar because I don't, I don't like that sort of behavior. Yeah, me neither. But I think that he should be able to do that if that's what he wants to do. And. You know, I mean, and this is this is what happens. Now this guy feels discriminated against um, because he has to pay higher drink prices or he has to pay a cover charge to get in. This man well, is an idiot uh, because, because he doesn't have two X chromosomes.
0: He's he's a jack uh, jackball mm-hmm. because you don't have a right to come into my bar, you, or you shouldn't have a right to come into my bar. If right. I open my door, I should be able to set the rules upon who I decide comes in and doesn't. I mean, there are plenty of clubs where there's a guy standing at the door that says. You're in, you're out. You've seen them. Like, you yeah. know, if you're not dressed right, you're not coming in, right? They have sure. dress codes, don't they? That's next. I mean, that's discrimination, isn't it? Shouldn't you be able to walk into a club with a loincloth on?
1: Well, it's discrimination based on, not based on uh, sex or sexual orientation, uh, race, creed, blah, 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 You but know, but that the whole point. thing.
0: But yes, but yes. these government agencies are just generally anti-discrimination uh, overall. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, things went to that uh, to that extreme. So when you open your doors to the public, you're saying, okay, I'm in charge here. This is my bar. This is my club. I can decide who comes in and who doesn't. And once they come in, I can decide who should be charged what for whatever it is they want to buy. That's the way it should be. And then the marketplace should be able to decide whether that person um, sinks or swims,
1: so I, to speak. I would t- totally agree. I would think that. I would think. I would hope that in America, in today's America, that somebody who's you know discriminatory against some class of people that they shouldn't be would lo- would, would lose enough business that they would just en- end up going out of business. But, you know, maybe not.
0: And I think that uh, if this if man... If so, I'm just not going there. If this whiner, this Steve Horner, was actually uh, operating in a market-based society where individuals could run their businesses how they wanted to... Like a got, free
1: country might have.
0: Right, and he got all upset about one particular business's restrictions or the how they're giving preference to ladies. I mean, here on Free Talk Live, we give preference to lady callers. Who happened to call in? Is that discrimination? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Yes, it is. If you don't like it, then go call some other radio show. But uh, and that's how it should be here. If he doesn't like it, if he doesn't like what the proof bar is doing, then he should go find himself a bar that does what he wants them to do. And if that bar doesn't exist, if every single bar in town has ladies' night once a week... He should open his own own flipping bar, and he should make sure that everybody gets charged the exact same amount. Or, heck, he could even have, since he's an anti-feminist, supposedly, he could even have men's night at his bar if he wanted to. Or he could just not allow women in at all. That, that's his choice. Apparently, I, he's It's my
1: understanding that in New York City, there's, uh, and you know, major you know major cities, old cities like that, there's clubs where guys go to sit around and play pool. Men's and, clubs. Yeah, smoke cigars. And, sure.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't private, know. There are private clubs Never been that one are one. exclusive of the opposite sex. And that's okay. You can compete if you don't like what people are doing. That's the way it should be. It's 800-259-9231. Coming up, we've got a guest. Uh, We tried to get him on the top of the show. He's here now. His name is Ed Rosenthal. And if you're familiar at all with the medical marijuana movement, his name might ring a bell for you. He's got an amazing story to tell about how the federal government is uh, breathing down his neck. It's it's a sad story, but he's here with us. We're going to bring him on here in moments, and your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's the live Saturday edition of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, including archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, you can go and download them at your leisure. Right there from the front page of the website. In fact, the archives go back an entire year, all of it for free. FreeTalkLive.com. Is there a young person that's important to you? Give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them a Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at aKidsJourney.com. Or call 1-800-657-5066. That's a kidsjourney.com, 800-657-5066. We uh, go to the phones to our special guest. His name is Ed Rosenthal. And, Ed, I believe you're in California. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Ed, you're on uh, Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Uh, Good evening and, and I guess, good afternoon to you out there on the West Coast. And glad to have you on the show. Before we get into your story, um, and it's an amazing story, what who um who are you Ed and uh, I guess what have you done as far as uh, making yourself a name in the marijuana movement? You've been around for a number of years in this uh, in this movement, correct?
2: Yes. Well, I was one of the founders of High Times magazine, and then I was a columnist there for uh, about uh, seventeen years. And since then, I've been a columnist for two uh, columnist and writer for two other magazines. I've done a lot of research in marijuana. I've been a consultant uh, for large farms in Switzerland and Holland. Um, and then I, uh, between 1986 and 1996, I did expert testimony for the defense in marijuana cases. I'm a member of the International Cannabinoid Research Society, which is mostly PhD scientists sponsored by the government studying cannabinoids, which is the active ingredient to marijuana. So I think it'd be and fair I, to say
0: that your life has essentially been centered around uh, this, uh, around marijuana.
2: Well, my business, my business career. Yeah.
0: Yes. It's 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 just an amazing career. I know you uh, you've written uh, several books about uh, growing marijuana as well, and I guess a lot of that came from your popularity uh, of your, uh, I guess your column in High Times Magazine, which as I understand it was, I think, Ask Ed or something like that, where people could actually write in and ask you questions and get tips on uh, growing marijuana. Uh,
2: actually, I had a best-selling book before High Times, uh, or as High Times started, but that wasn't involved with High Times. It was called Marijuana Grower's Guide, and it's still available. But uh, imagine a, Uh, college text available for 35 years. That's that's pretty good.
0: It's fantastic.
2: And uh, since then, I've written about 15 books, and then I have a publishing company that publishes mine and other people's books about marijuana.
0: Now, I actually got an email from you um, out of the blue. I don't know how I got on the list, but I'm glad I got on the list. And uh, it was about your current situation involving the federal government going after you. I don't know where you want to start your story because it is a, it's a a—it's a lengthy one, but I definitely well, want to hear it. I want our listeners to, to know what's going on with you and, and what's happened.
2: Well, in, in 1996, uh, the voters of California pro- passed Proposition 215, which said that with the doctor's recommendation, a patient could use marijuana as medicine. And as a result of that, a number of Uh, medical dispensaries sprang up. And the initiative also called upon the state and therefore the cities to set regulations to implement uh, these recommendations. So in 1998, the city of Oakland uh, passed an ordinance that said that they were going to set up officers of the city to supply marijuana to patients and what i decided i was and i was uh made an officer of the city it was recognized by the city attorney's office and uh in fact my uh the space uh the uh growing space uh was uh visited by the city fire department and they signed off on it and so i was uh, growing, so uh, you're essentially decided, a
0: government-approved supplier of marijuana for. Uh, that's early. right, and,
2: and I was not actually supplying the finished product. What I was doing was supplying uh, starter plants, so that patients had high-quality plants that they could gr- either grow their own or their caregivers could grow for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, rather than go directly to patients, I supplied. The uh, the marijuana distribution centers that were supplying the patients, so the patients could go to the center, and therefore I wouldn't have to judge whether this or that patient was qualified. That wasn't my forte. Mine was, was in cultivation. Understood. So, the city the city knew about it. City uh, the uh, city councilman who was the point man on this issue came and visited the place and the city attorney's office knew about it. I was in the it was an Oakland working group on this and you know, I was involved in that. And everything was going along fine. And then in February uh twelfth of two thousand two the federal government with about, I don't know, twenty to thirty officers came mm. with loud knocks on the door of my house at six AM. I was naked, ran downstairs mm, to see what was going on and you know they could see that i wasn't that uh, they could see what i was carrying totally because i was naked, naked. i opened right. the door for them you know and i was arrested for uh for the uh my nursery which was the total nursery space was about 450 square feet mm-hmm. so i mean if you think about that that's an area of about 20 by 20 square feet right it's a room yeah yeah a, and a it, it was in a 1500 square foot area that this that this was divided up into. So, I, had, I went to trial the first time, and I had a lot of pretrial motions, and all of my pretrial motions were denied. So, in effect, I wasn't allowed to tell the court that I was an officer of the city. I wasn't allowed... This was federal court. Sure. I wasn't allowed to tell them I was an officer of the city. I wasn't allowed to tell them that uh that I was uh that uh, that I was doing it on the two fifteen was this a was this a jury it trial
0: or uh yes, was it...
3: yes.
2: this is typical uh, by
0: the would... way, just hold on a second, this is typical of what we've seen not just in marijuana cases but in uh, in tax cases in gun related cases where individuals are uh, are arrested by the federal government and put on trial, they are not allowed to bring up the defense that they would like to bring up, and this is happening with you
4: well
2: well. Well, let me continue with this because the saga, the saga goes on. So it, so, um, so the jury wasn't allowed to hear that I that, that I was <clears throat> supplying patients.
3: Right. You know,
2: actually supplying these dispensaries. In other words, where it was distributed to, and uh, and uh, I wasn't allowed to bring in the witnesses that I wanted to bring in, and so. Uh, uh, the jury went out, came back. It was a Friday afternoon. They, you know, everybody wanted to get home. You know, they came back with three guilties. I was charged with three charges, of course. And this is just the beginning
0: of, uh, of as you yeah. put it, your saga. We'll bring you back and you can tell the rest of your story. Hang on, Ed. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Ed Rosenthal, a uh, marijuana medical marijuana activist out in California, on the line with us. And, of course, if you've got a question for Ed, dial on in. 800-259-9231. We'll continue his story in moments. And uh, this is typical, this federal government, just not allowing people to defend themselves. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves, toll free at 800 259 right now, hopefully you'll ask questions of our guest, Ed Rosenthal. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photos. We put them up on our website because we're proud of our lady listeners. In fact, we've got two. Count them two brand new lady listeners on the Shrine Brand right now. new ones. Uh, Shannon is up there as well as Yubi. Um, so take a look-see at shrine.freetalklive.com. Ed Rosenthal is uh, a well-known author, publisher, and cannabis grower, and, and very well-known at least in the medical marijuana and just the mar- marijuana movement in general. And Ed, you're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Now, we had just barely begun to uh, to tell the story or your saga, as you put it, Where um, in the late 90s, of course, or 1996, California passed uh, by popular vote by a significant majority. I I think it was over 60%. They voted uh, for Proposition 215 which essentially legalized medicinal marijuana. You um, got involved with the government of Oakland at the time, where you were essentially uh, dubbed an official, uh, you, you, were, you had some sort of official capacity as a marijuana grower. You were starting plants for people, and then those plants would go out to the people that would, I guess, continue to grow them, thereby uh, then distributing them further down the line to the patients. And it was in the midst of all this that the police decided to raid your house at 6 in the morning, and uh, and, th- and then you went to trial. Uh, you went to trial and you were not allowed in this federal court with a jury. You were not allowed to bring up your defense. You weren't allowed to call the witnesses you wanted to call. You weren't allowed to make the points you wanted to make. You weren't allowed to even tell these people... That, uh, that you were an officially sanctioned marijuana grower by law in the state of California.
1: In the city of Oakland.
0: In the city of Oakland. So essentially the federal government tried to make you just look like another marijuana grower, like, an, like a black market marijuana grower. Isn't that what they tried to do to you?
2: That's right. And one of the reasons why the city had made me an officer of the city was that there's a, a regulation that's part of the federal uh, uh, drug regulations that says that if you're an office or of a city or state carrying out enforcing city or uh, city or state law, that you're immune from prosecution for for drug offenses. You know, it's a Narc Protection Act, so that they can buy, sell, transport, and so on. So I was carrying out city business, so the city told me that I was free from prosecution. So. Anyway, we're up to the point where the the jury goes out, they come back with three guilty pleas, with three guilty, uh, guilties for cultivation, uh, 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 let's see, uh, cultivation, um, maintaining a place where marijuana is cultivated and, uh, conspiracy to cultivate.
1: How can you conspire uh, after you've already done it? Excuse me? How can you conspire after you've already done it?
2: Well, no, the, it was that I had conspired, that there had been a conspiracy.
0: Right, they just, they're just they just throwing charges, that's what they do, yeah. they just throw yeah, of they, charges. Yeah, they
2: multiply charges. Yep. So,
0: um,
2: I appealed on, um, on my estoppel, on the estoppel that I had been told that what I was doing was legal, and also that 80, 885-D was good law and should be enforced correctly, and... Also, that one of the jurors had gone to a uh, to an or spoken with an attorney who advised her that if she voted away against the way the judge instructed, she should she could get into big trouble, which of course you know is false, and because the jury has absolute power to do whatever they want,
0: as in uh, jury nullification. So she could. Well,
2: it's not necessarily. I you know I don't like that term. Because it's not jury nullification; it's says uh, the jury has a right to decide what the right thing is. That's okay. not a nullification; that's an affirmation. Fair enough. Okay. You know, I don't like that term. It's, it has too much baggage to it, too. So, um, so the jury did it went out then. Um, they went home, and their spouses told them what what stupid idiots they were, I guess, or whatever. And they read the newspapers, and they saw what they had missed, and they started calling the newspapers saying that they were duped, hmm. that uh, that that they repudiated their verdict, they re, you know that they they were sorry for their verdict. Right. And meanwhile, the prosecutor had asked that I be remanded immediately because I faced serious time. And the judge said, well, we'll have a hearing on it four days later. So I was out. Four days later, uh, I show up in court, and so does the jury. But this time, they're not in the jury box anymore. There are spectators. And the jur- hmm. judge comes into the courtroom cheerily, and then he looks to his left as he's walking in, and he sees the jurors, and his face turns white, I mean pale. Huh. And he sits down, and he... Says that I could be free until sentencing, which was six months later. Okay. and then uh, you know, and there was there was a tremendous amount of community support, and the New York Times had written you know had, had written a front page article, had followed it, and had written two articles saying how stupid this whole trial was, and that I should be a free person. Sure, and the judge wound up. At, Giving me a one-day sentence.
0: So this was six months later. He gave you a one-day sentence. A one-day sentence for so three was, charges but, of
1: cultivation,
3: essentially.
0: Yeah, time served.
3: Mm, right.
2: So uh,
0: so, so it was I a symbolic any, sentence,
3: basically.
2: So, yeah. So I didn't have to do any any uh, go to jail or anything like that. So but then when I got out, everybody was thanking the judge, and I denounced him. I said this judge did me no favors. He made me into a felon. He denied me mm. my rights, and he knew that when there were prosecution witnesses who were lying, he protected them. Sure. So, you know, a lot of people thought that I wasn't grateful, but I, don't, I didn't see anything to be grateful for. Heck no. Hey, somebody steals half a loaf of bread or three-quarters of your bread, and you say, oh, thanks for not stealing it all. Is right. that it? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Massa. Hey, well, I'm the, I, I come from the yippee school of uh, politics, and I don't particularly agree with that. So... Um, then, um,
0: So you got the one-day uh, so sentence. So then I, so
2: then then I appealed. Everybody said, you know, you should be really grateful. Don't appeal the sentence. You're just going to get yourself in big trouble. So I said, no, I'm going to appeal the sentence. And I appealed the sentence, and I forced the, the lawyers to put in that jury thing that the, the juror had acted improperly. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that they – you see, I knew that they wouldn't want to, uh, you know uh, – say something against one of their own, like the judge. So it was much easier for them to blame the jury, right?
0: Right. Okay. You
2: know, it's the juror's fault. It's not It's not that it couldn't be the judge's fault. It has
0: to be the jury's
2: fault, right?
0: Well, well, so, the, the judge was the one that wasn't allowing your evidence. In right,
2: but, it, but they blamed it on the jurors, and they said they could retry me. So the prosecutor calls a new grand jury, and they have su- superseding indictments and you'll love these because i know you you guys are into tax stuff so you'll really love this they said that i filed five false tax returns in 3 years pretty cool right you know usually they only have one per year <laughs> but i got five in 3
1: that's pretty good that's pretty good how many tax returns you file in a given year
2: right so then here's the other thing they said they didn't claim they said that they were false tax returns, but they didn't claim that I owed them any money. Hmm. So, you know, your time in prison is on tax charges is based on the amount of money that you they claim that you're not paying taxes on.
0: Yeah, I would think so. But they
2: weren't claiming I was I wasn't paying taxes on any money, or they weren't didn't have any charges like they that. They just claimed that you So July. that means oh, okay. that they would just give me a felony, but there's no time for the felony. Because it has to have time, has to be connected, and he stole so much money, you know, or didn't pay yeah. so much money. Whatever. When
0: uh, what what sort of time period are we talking about now? When did they bring these charges on you? In August. Okay, so this was last year.
2: Yeah, August. Okay. Yeah, so and then so then there was some there was a money laundering charge because I had gotten some uh, money orders mm-hmm. to pay my landlord.
1: That's money laundering. How many, how many yeah, ma-
2: yeah, that was money laundering, and that was for you know me and Ken Lay. $1,875. That was the only it? thing that's missing, people, you know, when when papers were first saw that, they said, no, that must be a, a misprint. So, I'll, uh, you know, I'll call, you know, up. And, no, it wasn't a misprint. So See, they're they charging was, you with money uh, laundering?
0: Hold on. They're charging you with money laundering because you got $1,800 in money orders? Yeah. All right, Ed, we're going to bring you back. Hang on. We'll tell you the have him update with us uh, with the, the rest of the story here, 800-259-9231. If you've got a question for Ed Rosenthal, just an amazing story of malfeasance on the part of the feds, um, as expected. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. This is the live Saturday edition. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's the packet, 8.net. Toll free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there completely free. And though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by going and buying some stuff. At store.freetalklive.com. we got Free Talk Live t-shirts, Free Talk Live hats, various different uh, uh, sizes and varieties, that sort of thing. Even different colors. Also, the free marketeer flag, DVD archive collector sets, and free bumper stickers, all available at store.freetalklive.com. And uh, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the second American revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. As we go back to Ed Rosenthal on the line from California, just a quick recap of where we've been so far. Ed Rosenthal, you are a uh, well-known author, publisher, uh, cannabis grower. Uh, you've uh, had a, a column in High Times magazine for uh, for a number of uh, over a well over a decade, and uh, we're the original one of the original founders behind the magazine. So fairly well-known name, and that may be one of the reasons why you were targeted by the police back in the late 1990s. They raided one of your marijuana growers. 2002. Periods. I th- I'm sorry. Two thousand two,
2: and and I've been working for uh, Cannabis Culture Magazine since the year two thousand. Ah, Cannabis Culture and, and Heads Magazine.
3: That would be and our friend
2: uh, Mark Emery, Excuse me.
0: You're working uh, with Mark Emery. Yeah. Excellent.
2: Excellent. Yeah, Mark Emery. I was the only um, U.S. resident who went to his wedding.
0: Ah yes, we are. Uh, we love Mark. He's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he fact, is. We should have him back on the show at uh, at some point. But, okay, so they raided you, and uh, they, uh, of course, you had permission from the California government, city of Oakland, to be growing marijuana, but the feds don't care about that sort of thing. They uh, they essentially kicked in your door at 6 a.m. You were completely naked. They hauled you off. Uh, you went to trial, and uh, they didn't tell, the, they didn't bother to allow the jury to be informed by you that you actually were a legal participant in a fully legal system of uh, medical marijuana growing. And so you were convicted the judge uh, was embarrassed because the jury then later found out that uh, they had been uh, swindled by the judge and he sentenced you to 1 day on 3 felony counts now you decided well you didn't really want to you didn't really appreciate the felony multiple felony convictions so you went ahead and appealed the conviction which I guess made them um, go after you with even more gusto and throw charges that you were just getting into, including money laundering. What were some of the other charges they uh, threw at you well, last year? It was
2: one, Five counts of tax evasion, uh, not tax evasion, of filing a false tax return. Mm-hmm. And then there were uh, uh, additional uh, marijuana charges. So um, I had a hard, you know, uh, they have this speedy trial law. Which means uh, an unfair trial law because it says that 90 that you're supposed to have a trial 90 days after uh, an appeal comes in, and often it's you know good lawyers are booked up and uh, it, it, so it's hard. the The prosecution has had sometimes years to develop a case, and then they give you 90 days for this retrial. Mm-hmm. So I had a very difficult time finding an attorney. But I did find the Pier five attorneys and they um they're a group they're individual attorneys who are uh, who uh work out of this one big office. Okay. So uh and they include Tony Serra. But he was he wasn't one of my attorneys. So we we filed a number of motions uh, a few a couple of months ago and uh the judge um, he denied most of them, but there were, but the main, but the one that he he didn't deny was uh, uh, vindictive prosecution, because because the prosecutor had said that he increased the number of charges because I was vocal about what I did and I put him down for being a liar, because the judge said, oh, here's something the judge said. Well, he did uh, mislead the grand jury. You know, mislead—that's a word for lie. Mm-hmm. You know, he did lie to the grand jury, but no harm done. But you You're know, talking about
0: the prosecutor.
2: Yeah, right. That's what he said. He said that the prosecutor had lied, had misled the grand jury, but there was no harm done. Excuse me, Judge. It's up to you. Yeah, but you know, the guy is still a liar, whether he did harm or not, right? Right. So I started saying that the guy's a liar. And then, when the new charges came in, I started saying it was vindictive prosecution. Sure. And he and you know, I said said other things about him also. And uh, like, for instance, the fact that he used bribery because of the deals that he gave to the uh, state witnesses. You know, for instance, there's one fellow who runs five dispensaries, or he's associated with five dispensaries, mm-hmm. and he was going to testify against me. And what? he's been running these dispensaries for five years, and nothing's happened to him.
0: What was he going to... Uh, why would he he's be... He's still testing? running
2: it. His name is Bob Martin. He runs a number of dispensaries in San Francisco, and he runs one on 10th Street and one uh, on Church Street.
0: What does he have against you, Ed?
2: Well, have against me? He didn't have to have anything against me. He got this sweetheart deal. You testify against him, we'll give you immunity. Oh... And you know what? They keep giving him immunity over and over any time he testifies.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: So I started saying, well, they're bribing him because they're, you know, what's a bribe? Isn't this a bribe? Because it's allowing somebody, to, the bribe is allowing him to earn, to make money in a, a business that they consider illegal mm. in order to use him, you know. It's sort of like a Whitey Barger case, you know, up in. In Boston, you know?
0: So they're protecting okay. him. They're protecting yeah, his they're business. Protecting they're saying, him. we're yeah. not going to raid you. Yeah. We'll raid yeah. the other guys.
2: Yeah, yeah. and and it, let's say he buys some pot from somebody, and he doesn't want to pay him. He says, hey, if get out of here, or I'll call the cops on you.
3: Wow,
0: amazing. So, Ed, you, you're, so, facing these, uh, you're facing so the money laundering, so, the tax charges. So,
2: so the judge, just on Wednesday, granted the vindictive prosecution. To my motion for vindictive prosecution. He agreed that the prosecutor had been vindictive, and the, so what happens the tax resultant? charges and the money laundering charge evaporated. Really, on w- this Wednesday, yes.
3: Okay, so and what are you yesterday, now? Yesterday,
2: yesterday, I went to we went to court again, and it was supposed to be the pre-trial hearing before uh, the the the. Uh, Before the trial, uh, which was supposed to take start on Monday, and the judge uh, postponed the trial three weeks, Hmm. and he excoriated the prosecutor and told them that he should think long and hard what purpose this trial serves. Since I've already done my time. Oh, everybody already agreed that if I if I had you know was found guilty. That I'd only get a day, so it was a totally political trial. See, they already agreed that I'd only get a day, which I'd already served, right? So the only purpose of this trial was to make me into a felon. It was a totally political trial. So where do you think
0: this is going to go next?
2: Well, they have have to April thirteenth. I'm supposed to go back to court, and the, the the prosecutor is supposed to tell the judge. Whether they're going to continue with the trial you know now that you know that that a lot of the uh a lot of the dropped. charges are gone right. have been have been have been removed and um or whether they want to uh what they want to do, hmm. so we're waiting right. and frankly i want to go you know my lawyers don't want them to go to trial, but I want to go to trial because I want to show how bad the government really is.
0: And I am sure that I you mean, will know what this is
2: all about. And that's Ed, why what you know I am it, you, you know I've already proved who, that the 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 prosecutor is a uh, is a liar. Sure. Vindictive uh, uh, is vindictive. It's just and, the tip of the and, iceberg, it and really and is. He, and that he and that he uh he uses bribery to suborn witnesses.
1: You know, um, th- what this looks I'm, like to I'm, me And I'm going
2: further with this. This isn't going to stop. I'm, what it I'm looks like to think. me is,
1: is that what we're talking about is the government is just getting shrill now. The United States government is just, in the DEA office, um, is just getting shrill because they see that 11 states have legalized medical marijuana, and 12 and 13 are on their way, and they don't know what they're going to do about it. So they're, That's they're just... part of
2: it, but it's also coming from the very top. You know, they have as good an idea of what's happening on the ground here as as they do in Iraq.
0: And I know that you're going to keep uh, sending out the yep. emails to keep people Let me informed. Can I tell you, on I tell you one on. other thing? What's what it about? happened?
2: The day that I was arrested, <clears throat> Walters just happened to be in San Francisco the day I was arrested. Isn't that's, that a coincidence? That's
0: Judge. Uh, that's John Walters, the drug czar.
2: Yeah. That's right. Isn't that a coincidence?
0: Yeah, it sure is. Okay. Ed, uh, Ed, we're out of time, I'm afraid, oh. but I want to give you out your website so our listeners can go and help you out. I know that you need a little bit of assistance with all yep. the legal funds and all of that. Your site is green-aid.com. That's green Dash aid.com. Or they can just put
2: green Aid right on in Google, and it will come right up.
0: Excellent. Ed, keep sending out those emails. Keep us informed. We'll keep our audience up to date on your situation, and thanks for coming on Free Talk Live tonight. We really appreciate it, sir. Okay, thank you. More on the way. Hour number two is coming up. This is your show, Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launched in hour number two of the live Saturday edition, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. That, once again, is freetalklive.com. By the way, I want to welcome our listeners in uh, Monroe, Louisiana. KMLB, 1440 AM, now on board, finally. Uh, For the first time in well over a year of airing this show, they, uh, up until now, had been airing an hour of the Friday night show on Saturday nights on a delayed basis. And as of tonight, presuming everything is technically correct and everything's going smoothly, they should be running uh, the final two hours of Free Talk live. Live in Monroe.
1: Fantastic. Welcome.
0: So, yes, I just wanted to say hello to our listeners out there in Monroe. You're listening to Free Talk Live live for the very first time. 1-800-259-9231. So, as you know, if you've listened to the show before, you can literally take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever might happen to be on your mind. Of course, we've got a lot to talk about here this evening, including what the young folks call hooking up. ABC News reporting on a Saturday night in Washington, D.C., 23-year-old Evie Langele and her 21-year-old sister Tina are ready to hit the town. Tonight's location, Adams Morgan, a hip, young D.C. neighborhood known for its bustling nightlife. On this particular night, Evie and Tina grab their stilettos and their friends and head right out the door in hopes of finding Mr. Right. That is, Mr. Right now. These ladies aren't looking for boyfriends, but they're open to the idea of hooking up. When you're hooking up, said Evie, explaining her feelings, it's, I want to feel good right now, and this is how I'm going to feel good. I'm going to kiss, I'm going to do this and that, because I want it right now, and don't care who you are. We want some sort of self-satisfaction. Oh my. According to Evie and Tina, hooking up is broadly defined. They say it can range from kissing, to making out, to having sex. That's my understanding of uh, the term. It's often with a stranger and... If there were any thoughts of this trice leading to a relationship, think again. Quote, hooking up means there's no emotional element, says Evie. We hooked up. I'm physically satisfied, and I went on my way. Tina said, so just how prevalent is this? Or she said, I think it's rampant, answering the question of just how prevalent the culture of hooking up is. She says, everyone does it. In our age group, I think everyone, uh, says Evie. And I think we would honestly consider someone weird if they didn't hook up.
1: Well, I don't think that this is that uncommon um, throughout the ages. I mean, young people have uh, kissed and had little trysts and and that kind of thing. And um, perhaps the attitude towards uh, whether or not it will turn into something is, is, is something else. But... You know, that's just this girl talking. Who knows?
0: Well, now, certainly there have been people that have had one-night stands and that sort of thing for a long, long time. Well, there's no guarantee
1: that it's sex, either. Hooking up is, is lots of things.
0: It's true. But, I mean, ultimately, um, the final arbiter or the, the final section of hooking up would be sex. I mean, if it goes right. as far as you would like it to go. Well, I don't know. Uh, Some people Uh, would like it to go. Right. And so I guess what I think what differentiates what's going on today to what might have gone on 20 years ago is that more females are taking an active role in uh, seeking this out. Um, In that they're out there and this is what they're looking for instead of just sort of what they happen to find. Uh, We'll go on. So – Just how prevalent is the culture? They say it's everywhere. Pulitzer Prize-winning Washington Post reporter Laura uh, Session Stepp has written a book about this young phenomenon titled Unhooked, How Young Women Pursue Love, Delay Love, and Lose It Both. The book explores what Stepp said is an alarming trend among young women. She says, quote, the final piece of it among many is their ability to be in a relationship once they want to be in a relationship. Why would they
1: be unable to do that?
0: Uh, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, How do you learn... Those things like respecting each other, having trust, communicating, solving problems. In researching the book, Steph followed a handful of college and high school girls during the school year. Tina appears in the book under the alias Nicole and is quoted describing one hookup as the sex wasn't great. Nicole admitted later, but that's not why she'd spent the night either time. Quote, I wanted to prove I still had the upper hand. I knew he could get a lot of girls and I was playing his own game. Hmm. That's correct, said Tina, when asked about that passage. Yeah, beating him to it. Because if you beat him to it, you're the one who kicked him out. You're the one who's emotionally detached. You don't give him time to burn you. So it sounds almost like they're trying to reverse sort of the traditional roles of the uh, the man going out and picking up a woman and uh, maybe having a one-night stand with her and kicking her out the next morning, they're trying to reverse that role and be essentially um, find the find the man, kick him out in the morning when they're done with him, essentially. Using him up, throwing him out like a tissue. Well it's a shame. Why why do you say that? Well it it, it...
1: Like she said, it's, it's, I don't know, I mean, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem very fulfilling to me. That's how I feel
0: about all this. Tina's story illustrates the source of Step's worries. She says, young women were telling me about hookups. They had become attached, they felt hurt, they felt used, they weren't feeling any passion, any joy in the sex that they were having. But according to Step, Tina wasn't emotionally detached. She said, like almost every girl who hooks up, she was in denial and ended up getting hurt. See, this kind of goes back to what we talked about on Valentine's Day with these women, uh, young women in America, trying to uh, act as though they just aren't interested in relationships. That they just aren't interested in that emotional development and attachment that happens with a, with a, that can happen with a relationship, and I think this is a another example of that where these girls are essentially saying, "Oh, I, this is no big deal, hooking up, no problem, kicking these guys out the next day, I'm fine, I'm fine with this." When in fact, the author is suggesting, "No, they're not fine. They're just sort of delaying their their true feelings, they're covering up their true feelings, and inevitably uh, going to do more internal damage to themselves." Over all of this.
1: Well, um I I guess they'll have they'll they have lessons to learn in life and and they
0: will indeed. And again, these are girls in their early 20s. Steph worries these experiences will lead to troubled relationships later in life, and she calls on girls to change their behavior. She says girls need to preserve their power, not give it away. They're doing themselves no favors by giving it away. But some professionals, however, disagree with Steph's viewpoint. Deborah Tolman is a Harvard-trained psychologist and professor at San Francisco State University. She says Steph's views are based on bad assumptions. Saying, "quote I think the whole book is premised on the idea." ...that there's something wrong with these girls... ...and whenever we see girls acting sexually... ...in an overt way, in a proactive way... ...we get panicky. We're very anxious about women's sexuality... ...still in the society. and And I certainly understand... ...where she's coming from on that... ...in that... ...people in America can get kind of uncomfortable... ...when a woman takes sort of the lead role... ...in getting what she wants... ...and if indeed what she wants is sex... ...for a woman, it's easy to get. If you're a woman who wants sex... Uh, not very difficult. Right. It's
1: there's really no comparison. Um, you know, you take me and the average-looking woman and uh, put us on a street and have us go knocking on doors until uh, you know, one of us can get a uh, sex partner and I'm gonna go to jail and she's gonna be uh two houses in in bed yeah with with within three
0: houses yeah uh so. I don't necessarily have a problem with women acting in this in a pro-sex manner. That's their business. They can do what they want, and they'll certainly get what they want if that's what they're doing. But I just I agree with you, Mark, that it doesn't seem to me that this is going to be very fulfilling in the long run. It seems to me, and I'm not someone who's ever had a one night stand. I'm not interested in that. It seems to me that one night stands are some of the worst sex you'll ever have, because when you get into a relationship with somebody, because
1: if it was any good, you'd
0: go back again. That's a good observation, but also over time you get to know your partner better and uh, you can have more effective sex over time. And that's just not something that's possible in these cases. So I've
1: we're talking... heard married people say over and over and over again, I'm married also, mm-hmm. that uh, the sex has only gotten better as uh, the marriage has progressed.
0: I'm not married, but I can tell you that in the last year of my relationship, the sex has only gotten better. Um, so 800-259-9231, talking about the phenomenon, cultural phenomenon of hooking up. Let's go to the phones. It's Larry in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. You're on Free Talk Live with Ina Mark.
4: How you doing, boys?
0: Hey, what's on your mind, Larry?
4: You no, know, I've I've uh, been reading the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and uh, Frederick uh, Engels. Finding uh, good? Uh, yeah, I'm finding it more revealing than and, and, and uh, it had really been I'm finding that it had really been slandered on down through the years. But it's a commentary on the conclusion of capitalism, and it mentions these women. They're the proletariat women, the the uh, women of the middle class and of the political class the people there in America. And they have, they can spread their wings because there's nobody can stop them from doing it, and they're going to do it. What they call them in the manifesto is community women. Community women. They're Pleasant. just on the same ground as men, as as, as in they can uh, go and have sex anytime they want. Do you feel like this? Do you want your daughter to be right one of these sex? community women? How's it now?
1: Would you want your daughter to be one of these community women?
4: Well, uh, we, how can we, we, we have no way of stopping them. From becoming community woman or any other kind Larry, of I wanna hang
0: Larry, I want to hang on to you. Come back in a moment here. 800-259-9231. Hooking up. What do you think about it? This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free lines for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. And that does include the bulletin board system. Over 200,000 posts await you, over 1,500 people interacting, all for free, a lot of fun. bbs.freetalklive.com get you to it. That's bbs.freetalklive.com.
1: Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will, a living trust, a corporation, or a limited liability company. In minutes, LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com.
0: We're talking about a cultural phenomenon that uh, is happening now uh, called hooking up. And it's been going on for a number of years. Uh, Apparently, it's pretty popular among the younger set, the generation, younger Generation X, uh, Generation Y, I suppose. And the concept essentially is that people will go out. um, In this case, the, the article we're talking about, ABC News at least, focusing on how women are sort of going out and initiating sexual contact. And hooking up can mean anything apparently from as little as just some pecking and some petting uh to some to full on sex so it's not a very definite term but nonetheless the idea is that these women are going out and they're initiating they're getting what they want uh out of uh, out of guys and then essentially kicking them to the curb because they aren't interested in the relationships or at least that's what they're claiming one author is saying they're just setting themselves up for disappointment. She's saying that essentially they're just in denial. They actually do want relationships, and they're just essentially lying to themselves by saying that they don't. I want to know what you think about this uh, phenomenon at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. As we go back to Larry in Indianapolis, listening on W X N T. Now, Larry, I don't know why on earth you're reading the Communist Manifesto. I mean, uh, I don't. Let
4: me tell you something, now. Let me tell you something. I was against Governor George Wallace until I read some of his speeches. And his biography, and found out he was a very intelligent attorney who was on the board of uh, the Tuskegee Institute, and was very prophetic about what's happening now and during the Civil Rights Movement, which was nothing but stage. But with this uh, phenomenon, maybe that we have—it's—it's it's just the industry, like I told you, the rap industry and other industries pl- plan on base instincts. That may be drawing them out, and we're seeing them uh, acted out in public, and we act surprised when our media and, uh, and entertainment is filled with nothing but voyeurism and the lowest forms of filth and degradation.
0: Where do you feel like this is going to go to? I mean, do you,
4: do you see- Here's where it's going. Here, here's where it's going to. It's going to a place where you're going to have women and men on the same basis. As far as sexual relationships, the family unit is going to be uh, totally discarded. Why? Because, uh, that's, that's the, uh, way that our medium, media is, is, is showing and, and, and is focusing on that, that conclusion but
0: when you look at popular culture and you look at how over sexualized the uh, American popular culture has become and it's by the way it's my suggestion that things have gotten this way because we've been sexually repressed because American parents refuse to talk to their kids about sex they uh, they treat it as though it's a prohibited topic and uh, they don't want to talk about it with with their kids and I think this is resulting in this sort of uh, sexual repression that's only turning into sexual deviancy and that sort of thing but when you look at uh, when you look at a American popular culture and you see that you know shorts just can't get any shorter uh the clothing can't get any skimpier uh, i mean odds are good we're not going to be walking around naked anytime soon so my question is can it is, is it going to go backwards are we going to see like the return of uh, nobody showing their ankles anymore is that no, is that even possible
4: no you're not going to have that what you're going to have is is you're going to have a society where sex is just going to be another thing for sex sake and just another form of uh, of a pleasurable function for people that uh, have the ability to do it. But you, 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 we are people that we don't want to accept the truth. And you know what's what I truth, mean by Larry, that? What's the it, truth? The truth is, is that we're pumping garbage and filth into our kids' minds that don't know any difference, and we expect them not to take the easy way out. Larry, because thank you for the call. We really
0: appreciate hearing from you tonight. 800 259 9231. I don't think
1: we're going to see just. The sex on the street corners or anything like that. I mean, it, or a sex with that many partners. America's, I, I just don't think they're ready for that. Plus, the, um, the, the, the sexually transmitted diseases will stop that from happening. People don't want to get gonorrhea, syphilis, AIDS, and all the rest of that stuff.
0: Are people who are hooking up being careful while they're hooking up? Are they being... They're probably uh, being lucky. Yeah, it seems and, like a dangerous and, activity. It seems risky to me. Look, I'm all for sex. I think sex is a, is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. But I don't necessarily think that this sort of random sex...
1: <laughs> it's not healthy if you're having random sex.
0: Right. I don't think the random sex is, is healthy. And that's where it seems like things are going. And that's a little bit disturbing to me. I want to know how you feel about it as well. Let's go to Sean in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Sean.
5: Hello. How's it going, guys? Great. I uh, just mind? became a, a gold amplifier. so Fantastic. I really like your show. Thank you. Great. Thank you. um. What, I just wanted to get a, a young person's point of view in there. How old are I'm you, only Sean? 21. 21, so. okay. Um, basically, uh, I, see, uh, I see two different problems uh, with this issue. Um, you have people that are rather being really emotionally detached and uh, just hooking up, and then you have other people that have the opposite problem where uh, they don't want to hook up, they want stability, and they'll rush into relationships. Um, and I think that both of those problems are kind of the issue. I mean, mm. personally with me, I do have a, a functional relationship. I really love my girlfriend and uh, all that great stuff. Uh, but also at the same time, I do understand the need to just kind of have a utility type uh, sexual encounter uh, in order to satisfy human urges to get you through, basically. I can understand that.
3: Okay. Okay. And
5: does that uh, does that make
0: sense? Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying, but if you've got a girlfriend, then... No, he says he understands. Mean, That's you're, all. You're just saying you understand the people who are hooking up.
5: Yeah, to a point. Um, to a point. I mean, I can I can totally understand where you guys are coming from as far as saying it's bad to be emotionally detached. And personally, I do think that a strong emotional connection is a really valuable human experience that everybody should have at some point in their life.
0: It seems to me that if you have that emotional connection, then sex is all that much better. Um, whereas whereas if all you need to do is get off, then why do you even have to involve another party? I mean, that's what the, your left and right hands were made for.
5: Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um, though I will say that uh, I think it's the similar appeal that prostitution has. I mean, prostitution is similar in the sense that People will try to will pay to get their sexual urges taken care of this is true and having a person there makes it at least seem more genuine
0: true, but at least it, at least with a prostitute then it's a business transaction at least you know what you 're getting and uh, and what you 're dealing with uh, whereas with a with a uh, with hooking up it's just random people uh in in clubs and that sort of thing, and they, they go home with each other i don 't know it just seems strange to me
5: i can I can understand how it how it seems strange. Uh, Especially in our culture, uh, where we are sexually repressed, I absolutely agree with that. Um, But I will, I will, I kind of side with both sides, just because I, I would, what I would encourage these people that only hook up to do is to also leave the option open to have a, a nice relationship with an emotional connection, because having, you know, disconnecting yourself from emotions in a relationship is not only bad just for a relationship it's kind of bad for your entire life. Well, I agree you with you like Sean
0: and uh, and thank you for the call I appreciate it 800-259-9231 I think that if they don't leave that option open it'll eventually force itself open I mean over time. This has got this has got to take a toll. I mean if all you're doing is hooking up
1: well, they're in their 20s. I mean, right. it's not that unusual.
0: If that's all you're doing, though, no, it'll take a toll, and you're going to get, I, I would hope, you'd get tired of it. What do you think? 800-259-9231. That'll stop you. It's free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. com. <laughs> This is Free Talk Live, and it is your show. You bring up what you want, toll free. 800-259-9231, the Saturday edition. We're here live, being here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free. And that does include the live streams. Broadband version of the show and a dial-up version waiting for you for free. free Freetalklive.com. And do you enjoy building things? Well, WoodcraftPlans.com has hundreds of blueprints for things like lawn chairs, rocking horses, yard shadows, fine furniture, and more. Step-by-step instructions in full-size patterns guide all skill levels. WoodcraftPlans.com supports Free Talk Live, so please support WoodcraftPlans.com. That's WoodcraftPlans.com. We're talking about young people and the phenomenon of hooking up as it's called, where essentially people will... It's, it's something similar to what's been going on for years, and I mean, decades and decades, people having one-night stands at bars, uh, meeting each other at bars and having one-night stands. Hooking up, though, means anything from having a little bit of uh, pecking on the... You know, a little bit of making out, all the way to full-blown sexual intercourse. So it could mean anything in, in that uh, in that range. But this is apparently a fairly popular pastime for young people. In fact, the ABC News article points out that uh, they they interviewed a couple young ladies, and uh, one of the ladies said that if, uh, if somebody's not hooking up, then uh, she thinks that person's weird. So, I mean, that's just, a, I guess, a suggestion as to how widespread this is. It's a little bit disturbing for me. I'm a young person as well. I'm 26, and I've never been involved in this culture. I've never gone to the clubs and all that. So I'm sort of an outsider, but I am certainly aware that this is going on, and as somebody who's you know, somewhat concerned for the health of other people. It disturbs me a little bit. Uh, I'm all for sex. I think having sex is healthy when you have one partner that you're having it with. I think you should certainly have sex in that case. But uh, hooking up with random people at clubs uh, just to satiate some personal desire to, to have uh, sex with somebody It seems a little bit shallow to me. It seems like it's missing something, and I want to know what you think. 800-259-9231. Ladies first, let's go to Lynn in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Hello. Lynn. Lynn in Pennsylvania? Going one. Lynn's gone. Let's try Bree in Idaho. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Bree.
6: Hi, guys. Hi. Um, well, I wanted to talk about the hooking up thing. I will confess to hooking up.
0: What uh, Now, um, when you have hooked up, what does it mean for you?
6: For me, it's just kind of the making out and cuddling kind of thing. I don't have sex with guys I don't know.
0: Okay, that's good. That's You're what you sensible. should say on the
1: radio, if nothing else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what are the circumstances around this? I mean, where you make out with these guys and cuddle. I mean, do you cuddle in the middle of a club or something? How does this happen?
6: Well, um... A lot of times it might be like friends. You've probably heard of the phenomenon of friends with benefits.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: So it's the—I um, mean, it might be a guy that I that I know, or we're at a party. Um, a lot of times, um, alcohol may or may not be involved.
1: Okay, alcohol does um, uh, inhibit your—you know—remove your uh, you know, removes brain function. Yeah.
6: Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. Um, so you know, it's just kind of for me. I miss the close contact with people i go to college so i'm away from my family and i'm kind of a huggy person so Mm. i kind of like the hugs and um so that's kind of one way for me to get that close physical contact with somebody i would i would honestly prefer to be in a relationship but i can't i i can't find a a decent guy to be honest i can't find a guy I, i agree with politically or or even can stand to be around for that long, except huh. as a friend.
1: That's because you're hanging out with 20-something-year-old 20 um, 20-something year old guys, you know, the young 20s. <laughs> it's, it's
6: true. <laughs> I am in college, so it's true. Well, I can tell you, there are it, plenty of guys
0: in their 30s and 40s that probably wouldn't mind hanging around you, break. I'm sure that's true. <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh, so, but, yeah, that was... That's my experience with hooking up I so suppose.
0: so let me see if I understand this you um, you are just you're at a college party or something like that and you're there with a with a guy friend who normally you wouldn't want to be in a relationship with, but yet you know that he's more than willing to satiate whatever sort of physical needs it is it that you have you go through that he doesn't feel any obligation. you don't feel any obligation the next day everything's back to normal that's how it works.
6: Yeah, that's that's how it works. And and where it's a guy friend, I don't have to worry about him pressuring me for sex, which is nice.
1: Um, now, um, what makes you think that everything's going to be back to normal? Why is that? I mean, what if he decides, Wow, she was cussing and cuddle or is kissing and cuddling on me? Um, maybe we we can have a relationship. I mean, uh, couldn't this blow up into uh, something much more? You know, like it, it could be trouble.
6: Certainly, you can yeah, lo- lose a friend. You can you can lose a friend that way, and I have. And hmm. um, a lot of times, though, if if there's that expectation, then then there was already feelings there that I probably didn't even know about. Uh, I'm kind of clueless. You're just a comes.
1: wanton little cuddler. That's what your problem is.
6: I am. <laughs> I am. I love the cuddles.
0: Now, uh, <laughs> is it possible to? And I know that this may not be uh, appropriate, but is it possible to get the cuddling satisfied by someone of the same gender? Can you have a a female friend? satiate your uh your needs
6: you know i don't know i don't i can't say i've ever tried that
1: <laughs> i think you should try it Bree, and take video and send it to us
6: hey cut it
0: out <laughs> <laughs> <Free> th- <laughs> only in the interest of science thank you for the call hey. Bree. we appreciate hearing from you tonight 800 259 you're going to study that very closely i'm sure Mark. i'm sure i will the packet aid.net all free lines let's go to gordy in florida listening on wftl hey gordy you're on free talk live
7: hey how you doing tonight
0: great what's on your mind
7: Hey, real quickly, uh, you're you're stumbling over the obvious here. Girls in their 20s don't know what they want yet. They're in the exploratory stage. Let let me back up a step. I'm 41 years old. I date women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, when I'm with the honeys in the 20s, they just want to have a good time and have fun, which I'm all for. You you date a woman that's in her mid-40s, she's terrified she's going to spend the rest of her life alone, especially if she's been divorced.
6: Mm -hmm. Which ones are easier, Gordy?
7: Which ones are easier? Believe it or not, uh, it depends on how you handle the woman. I mean, it's uh, a lot of guys that, you know, stumble and fumble. You know, cut to the point right away. If a woman's looking to get some love and she wants some love, and you've got to be smart enough to pick up on that. Because if you don't, you're going to miss your opportunity. I think a lot of young guys do. I know I did when I was in my 20s. I was a, I was a major dork. I didn't know how to talk to women. And as you get older and you live enough life, you find out uh, what they want. But, you know, you can't blame the girls in the 20s. If they want to hook up, they're just trying to figure it out like the girl that just hung up on the phone. Uh, You know, she sounds, switches a bit of a dingbat. But, uh, you know, she wants a guy. Did you hear what she said? She wants a guy that says she can agree with politically. No, you don't, honey. You want a guy that's going to make you feel good like a woman, take care of you, and make you feel special. That's what a woman wants. And even girls in their 20s, my friend, do not understand that yet about themselves. And just uh that's why guys like us and our Floyds are having the time of our life.
8: Oh my goodness.
7: Well, you know, I've, oh, I've got to nice.
1: agree with Gordy. I think that a lot, there's a lot of men out there that, uh, you know, in their 30s and 40s um, that feel like, you know, if they didn't have the relationships that they ha- currently have and the relationships they have are valuable to them, that they could do very, very well being single. But you no, know. no, no,
7: no. Here, here, here's the thing, though, is that when you talk about the relationship, that's the part where women are screwing up. A lot of guys, uh, most guys, let's say this is 2007. I don't need a woman to cook for me. I don't need a woman to clean for me. I want a woman to be my lover. And for those women that are listening to your show tonight that have a man that they're happy with, and if they're cutting him off on the sex department they're not uh, making love to him on a regular basis, and no, ladies, once a week is not a regular basis. Yeah. Because if you don't want to do that, let's face it, you know, uh, we can go out there and get it somewhere else. And, you know, I've been doing it for, uh, oh, well, for years now. But the thing is, the guys I know that are married, that have left their wives or left their girlfriends, that's what's the bottom line. Women want security. Men want to uh, have some uh, love and, uh, on a regular basis. So, ladies, it's, take care of your man. It's you know, the number two. It's to... the number
1: two reason that uh, people give for uh, relationships breaking up. Not enough sex. sex. Yeah. Yeah, sex oh, in yeah, general. Not
7: enough sex. Uh, for a man, that's what it is. And ladies, let's face it. With a little concentrated effort, you can get us off your back in about five minutes. That's all it takes, and we're happy. Gordy, thank so, you for the call,
0: uh, man. We really appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. It's a little callous, but I'd not uh, I'd say it's some sage advice. He's certainly a man uh, with some experience. At least that's, how, uh, that's certainly how it sounded. And I think it's certainly possible to have it all. I mean, it is possible. Relationships, uh, searching for a relationship, I think, absolutely should involve good sex. Um, If you aren't having that, if it's once a week and it's not good, then, yeah, you really need to do something, change something. For some people, once a week is fine, I suppose. 800-259-9231. You bring up what you want. It's Dave in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with you and Mark. Hey, Dave.
8: Hey, guys, I'm going to change the subject a little bit. You are. What's up? Got some uh, Got a story about some uh, uh, busybody cops. Busybody cops. Cars.
0: We will bring you back to tell the story. Hang on. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves, whether it's busybody cops or hooking up or whatever you want to talk about. This is your show, and you can take control toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want, toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet, 8.net, toll free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. It is a live Saturday edition. Anything goes as always, and Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about the second American revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org, and join us online at freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support us? Then go and vote. Go to vote.freetalklive.com. If you're in your car right now, then do your best to remember. Maybe call your house, leave a message for yourself to remind yourself to vote for Free Talk Live when you get home in front of the computer. Go to vote.freetalklive.com. It'll take you less than a minute. All you need is your email address. You will not be spammed. Uh, Your email address will not be sold. It's free, and it's quick. And it makes a big difference for us because your votes total up to keep us at the top of the podcast charts. I believe we're still the number one show, but just barely. So we need you to go and vote at vote.freetalklive.com. To Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, uh, you've got some, uh, I guess, some bad cops to tell us about. What's going on?
8: Kind of. I think they're well-intentioned, but this is yet another one of those stories of the people of New Hampshire turning on their on their cops when the cops get out of hand uh, and shutting them down. Uh, this is Rochester, New Hampshire. It's a story I heard about yesterday in the Foster's Daily Democrat. Apparently, uh, the cops decided they would go from car to car and check to see if people's cars were open. If they were open, they'd just open them up and leave flyers inside the car urging them to lock their cars. Are you kidding?
0: This this has been done before. It's been done all around the country. Uh, I remember um, Johnson, one of our former co-hosts, said it happened in his very parking lot at his apartment building. They do this.
8: Uh Well, they're not doing it in Rochester, New Hampshire anymore. What happened? Because the people screamed immediately, uh, and the, the cops immediately had bad press and immediately shut down the program. So it's already history apparently.
0: Good to know. Now were they you said they were leaving notes, were they uh, were they also locking the doors when they closed the doors or just leaving the notes?
8: They were not, I guess because if they locked the doors, what if the person's keys are in the car and exactly. they lock the person's key in there? So apparently they did go through some thought process of you know some of the unintended consequences, but of course, you know, if they're there to protect our property, who who protects our property from them?
0: Yeah and I'd be also a little bit concerned about a uh, a policeman opening up uh, open, um, opening up a car door and maybe smelling a little bit of marijuana I don't yeah. think in that case they would just let it slide I think in that case, they would try to find the owner and bring up, bring him up on charges. So I think it's excellent that there was outrage in this case. And it's just one more example that here in New Hampshire, a little bit of activism goes a long way, and people here are actually getting things to change. It's happening slowly, and uh, soon the snowball effect is going to uh, going to continue, and freedom is on, is going to be on the rise here in New Hampshire soon. Dave, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks, 800-259-9231. Ladies, uh, let's go to the lady in green calling from Florida, listening on WFTL. You're on Free Talk live with Ina mark
6: hi how are you
9: hey
0: doing well what's on your mind
9: well it's the first time i tune in as i was getting in my car i happened to catch a phrase or a couple of sentences from a man saying that wives need to put a little more effort and provide men with more sex mm-hmm. and i just think that uh, maybe that's a little overrated for men because there's also men out there that are not providing enough sex for their wife.
0: Absolutely true. And the door definitely swings both ways.
1: But he's only talking about the point of view of a man because, well, he is Because
9: wanted. he's a guy, right. right. But, you know, maybe a lot of men listen to the radio and they think, oh, yeah, we're really good in bed and the wives are not willing to give it, but the wives are really willing to give it, but the men don't know how to do it right What, what is
0: it? Okay, now hold on a second here. Now, are you married? And I don't
9: mean all men, so please, I don't mean all men. I'm just saying, I've been married for 11 years, and my husband is not very, he doesn't have a very high libido or a very high drive, and it's been like
6: that for years.
0: Now, when you're when you're wanting to have sex with your husband, does he go ahead and, and get the job done, or does he just tell you he doesn't feel like it, he doesn't want to do it?
9: Pretty much, let's say the roles are reversed. I'm like a man or what is perceived to be a man sexually, and he's a woman.
3: Mm-hmm. He's the
9: one with the headaches. He's the one with, the, he's tired, not now, or whatever. You know, he's the one with that drive, a low drive, and I have the higher drive. Mm-hmm. But you know what? He also provides other things that are very important in the relationship, not sex, and that's pretty much a trade off. He's not a selfish man. He's a loving, caring husband, and he's got you know wonderful things about him that maybe other men don't provide that could be great in bed you know what i mean
0: i see where you're coming from and and if it's working out for you guys obviously it's worked out for the last 11 years but um how do you satiate uh, yourself do you just um, take care of yourself on your own
3: <laughs>
10: of
9: course
0: okay well there you go oh that's good i mean that you're very, you're a good lady you're not stepping out on your man uh, when you very no. easily could
9: no i definitely could and he knows i could you know we work together i know he's not going out and having sex with other women because we live together and we worked uh, together for the whole marriage, the whole entire eleven years.
3: Excellent. So, well,
0: that's Lady a very Green.
9: unusual relationship. I understand, but you know.
0: How do you feel uh, about for those
9: men? That for those men that um, feel that their wives are not giving them enough sex, I think they probably should, uh, instead of trying to look elsewhere, try something try new. To do something. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Now, would, Lady and Green, advice. we were talking earlier since we've got you on the line. We were talking earlier, probably before you tuned in, about the cultural phenomenon that we're seeing with younger people right now called hooking up. Are you familiar with it? No. Uh, Essentially, it is uh, younger ladies in their early 20s uh, going out and going to clubs and going to parties, that sort of thing finding guys that they aren't, that they claim they're not interested in relationships with, but they just want to satisfy some sort of uh, desire for either cuddling or, or kissing or even going so far as to having sexual intercourse. And apparently this is quite a phenomenon. A lot of people are, are engaged in it. I feel like it's a little bit emotionally empty. I feel like it could take a bit of a toll on uh, the people that are participating in this. And just as a, as a lady listener, I wanted to see how you felt about the whole thing.
9: So you're saying 20-year-old girls just want to hook up, meaning they, they don't want to get involved emotionally, they just want to have sex or physical contact? That's what they're claiming. Contact?
0: That's what they're claiming. Some experts say they're just in denial, and that it's gonna, you know, essentially the uh, the toll is going to be taken at some point. They're going to realize that this whole time they've really been looking for relationships, and they've just been sort of denying that to themselves.
9: I I I think I agree with that. I think that they probably, I'm obviously far from twenty already. I'm thirty eight, mm-hmm. but um, but I think they're probably uh, kind of putting a bar- barrier, you know, not to get hurt emotionally because. Maybe women in the past have already tried too hard, you know, and maybe too fast for some men to get involved in a relationship. I think women shouldn't pressure men into a relationship. It just happens when both individuals are ready, you know, regardless of time. There should be no time frame or ultimatums. And uh, and I think probably the younger girls are trying to do this to protect themselves from getting hurt.
3: Well
0: because said. they,
9: too, want things too fast you know and Lady things in green, happen in time
0: we appreciate that and uh, by the way we're on there on uh, eight fifty on in florida every single uh, saturday night from seven to nine so join us again we'd love to hear from you again thank you for the call thank you take care Bye-bye. 800-259-9231 the packet 8.net till freeline it reeling in the elusive female talk radio listeners here on free talk they're
1: out there and they listen to free talk line. yes
0: they do uh let's go to the amplifier line and cj in oklahoma you're on free talk live with you to mark hey cj
10: Hey, guys. First time caller.
0: What's on your mind, sir?
10: Oh, well, I um, uh, wanted to, uh, I guess, talk about the uh, uh, thing we got going on the boards. I posted a message about basically what do you listen to on your iPod? And I was interested in hearing what you guys do uh, during your free time when you're preparing for the show. What do you guys listen to?
0: Well, when I prepare for the show, I don't listen to anything. I'm usually um, involved in looking at different websites and reading emails, and if I were listening to something, I'd probably be a little bit distracted and wouldn't be as effective at preparing for the show. But when I do listen... Uh, and I don't have an iPod. I've just got a, like a Sandisk MP3 player. But on my MP3 player, I've got Free Talk Live. I listen to my show. Um, I don't really, honestly, I barely have time to listen to Free Talk Live. In fact, I have to listen to the show at uh, like 130 times or 130% of its actual regular play speed. So it's sped up a little bit. So we've all got higher pitched voices when I listen, but just because I've got to, I've got to keep I've got to keep listening to my own show so I can critique myself and and uh, know what worked and know what didn't work. I honestly don't listen to anything else at all, but uh, but I do occasionally tune into the radio and I know that doesn't really answer your question you're asking about iPod listening, but I listen to uh you know whatever show might happen to be on in the morning around here when I wake up. I like sort of lay in bed for a half an hour and try to gain consciousness as I listen to the radio. Mark, what are your listening habits?
1: Um, I, I'm usually not up quite that early to, to catch the uh, morning shows. You don't shows even or have an,
0: or, uh, an MP3 player, do you?
1: I do not, no. Uh, but as far as radio listening, I listen to uh, – you know, sometimes I'll listen to Glenn Beck or Rush Limbaugh if they don't make me really angry. Yeah. They, they're <laughs> what happens to be on uh, the radio um, here. I have no choice. There's only one station that does talk. And um, in the afternoon, there's a talk show host that I like to
0: listen to. He's local, though. What about you CJ?
10: Oh, um big fan of Radio Free Liberty. They do good. I know they amplify on your uh website too.
0: Yep, they're one of our um, advertisers.
10: Yeah. Uh uh big fan of the Skeptics Guide to the Universe. They're uh, they're an interesting bunch. They actually um they uh they kind of deal with some things that kind of cross over into the libertarian realm too. And then a uh, big fan of the Penn radio show, but that just recently quit. Like, yeah, I was really sad so. to
0: hear about that. Penn yeah. Gillette uh, has bailed out on his show. You know, it's just it's one more Hollywood guy that, and I don't really know if I even consider Penn as much of a Hollywood guy as, as some others, but he was doing a one-hour-a-day show, and he did it for about a year, and then he just decided to throw, uh, throw in the towel and call it quits, and it's unfortunate. But hopefully a lot of his listeners found Free Talk Live. And they've satiated their need for pro, uh, pro-liberty pro talk. Thanks for the call, CJ. Appreciate it. 800 259 Hour three's coming up. You take control. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. Com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free. It's the live Saturday edition, by the way, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 is the toll-free packet 8.net line. That's 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features there are completely free, so enjoy those. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their sites. We do it free. That's the way it ought to be, freetalklive.com. Well... Coming up here, uh, Mark, we're going to do a, uh, I guess, a today in the in history sort of uh, moment uh, here in America. There was something that happened back in uh, revolutionary times that I guess is worth noting, and we'll do that here in a few moments. But first, we're going to take a trip to Somalia, of all places. Yes, Somalia, you know, the movie uh, Black Hawk Down, that's mm-hmm. what Somalia is. So for those of you Americans who aren't sure, really too sure about it, uh, there was a movie made about it uh, the late 1990s when... Uh, they they essentially ousted the, the government at the time, and there really hasn't been a government ever since in Somalia. And what has the result of that been? Has it been chaos? Has it been violence in the streets? Or have things not been as bad as you might expect them to be when a government goes away? Now, to be fair, um, there is still a little bit of violence in Somalia, as the article from the Boston Globe will report, but... It's more of a result of uh, the violent overthrow of the government than anything else. Uh, When you use violence to overthrow a government, inevitably the people that try to fill the gap are going to be violent people as well. Unless you can actually uh, get rid of a government with the spread of an idea, which is what I would like to do. I'd like to um, at least minimize, um, you'd like to minimize government, I'd like to end it entirely. Um, And I think that the best way to do it is by spreading the idea that government... ...doesn't work, that government doesn't solve problems, it just makes things worse. If we can get people to understand and agree with that on their own, then governments will become completely ineffective. Somalia didn't quite do it that way. They violently overthrew their government, and so here's what has resulted over the past uh, almost 15 years now. From Mercus Somalia, when Aberdaman Farah, who's blind, returned to his native Somalia two years ago, his friends in Britain worried about him because of his country's the country's lawlessness... But Pharaoh wasn't determined by the, uh, wasn't deterred by the peril rather, or by the, uh, the lack of a functioning government to provide services or security. He started a school for the blind in Mogadishu, the capital, by raising tens of thousands well, I guess can there be a capital if there's no more government? Uh, by raising tens <laughs> the of the former
1: capital the, the right. city formerly known as the capital of Somalia. right uh,
0: the, by raising tens of thousands of dollars from local businesses and enrolling 22 students with 100 more currently on a waiting list. Farah is among the thousands of Somalis who have adapted and plunged ahead with businesses, schools, and service organizations, despite the continuing violence and leadership void. As Somalia, and by the way, this is uh, it's indicative of American journalists, they always sort of, they, they consider government to be leadership. They consider government uh, elected officials to be leaders, right? And, and i also like to rebut
1: e- that e- equate um, anarchy to chaos,
0: right? Uh, they're wrong on both counts. Government government officials are not leaders; they're people just like you. Um, I'm not. I, I don't consider myself led by President Bush. I don't consider myself led by uh, the local representatives or senators. Those are people who are allegedly elected to represent another group of people. They are not leaders. In fact, they're supposed to be servants, right? I mean, that's the way it was supposed to originally be. If you look at the founding of America and the uh, concepts of the founding fathers in the Constitution.
1: Yeah, the idea with, is that these people would be volunteers,
0: basically. Yeah, so pl- I'd like to, to throw that right back and say that it's not a leadership void in Somalia. It's just an absence of government. As Somalia this week took another important step to resurrect its national government after 15 years without one, many Somalis say they would welcome even a minimalist government, one that would guarantee their security but also allow their recent initiatives to flourish. They worry about a return to a dictatorial government that would quash many freedoms, including a free market system. In the meantime, Somalis operate as if the status quo will hold for a while. Farah said during a recent business trip to this coastal city about 60 miles south of Mogadishu, quote, We're not waiting for a government anymore. We've been waiting so long for a government, now there's a belief that Somalis can advance on their own. In the absence of a government, some businesses and grassroots initiatives such as Ferris school have thrived. Mobile phone calls, for instance, are the cheapest in Africa because of competing brands and no regulatory agency charging a levy. No one pays taxes. Importers pay landing fees at ports instead, as well as larger amounts to warlords for the services of armed security guards. You heard it right. There's actual protection being provided by the warlords. I would think so. Right. Instead of government claiming to protect you and then robbing you at gunpoint and then claiming to protect you while they steal money from you, these guys are actually competing for protection services. But insecurity still haunts the lives of Somalia's 9 million people. Warlords and militiamen, what local journalists call armed governors, battle for territory. In some areas, an uneasy peace exists, in others, fighting is the norm. Late last month, Mogadishu erupted in the worst street fighting in several years, leaving more than 20 people dead and 80 injured in battles, in part over the rising influence of conservative Islamic courts. Farah said bullets whizzed by his school, and he was briefly caught in a crossfire in a market. But the fighting stopped as quickly as it erupted. I'll stay, said Farah. Some believe that the recent violence is also linked to the latest effort to resurrect a national government in that people are fighting back and saying, you know what, no, we're all right without this whole government thing. No, no, keep it away. You want, to, you want to impose this? We're going to fight you. And that's essentially what's going on here. Thirteen previous such attempts, none of which, thirteen previous attempts, none of which succeeded in convening a parliament, and all of which ended in renewed violence, had failed since 1991. That was a disastrous year for Somalia, the last president, strongman Siad Barre fled Mogadishu, two rival factions engaged in all-out war in the capital, killing at least, for control of the government, Right, killing at least 14,000 people, and the former British Protectorate of Somaliland in North Somalia declared independence. But on February 26th, the transitional parliament convened for the first time on Somali soil since it was formed 18 months ago. Now, as I understand it, and I don't know if this article goes into it, the UN has been behind this. The U.N. has been behind the the reforming of a government in Somalia.
1: Right. The people of Somalia seem to be getting along fine, as far as they're concerned, at least.
0: So it met for a single day, recessed, and then reopened this Monday, establishing committees to start its work, a small but vital step. I I don't know what it's vital to, the vital of continuing governmental rule. Even holding the meetings in the west-central community of Baidoa, a town without a single hotel room, inadequate water supply and bordering an area suffering the worst drought in several decades, represented a breakthrough. Trucks brought in water, food, and tents. Parliament members were sleeping three and four to a room in rented houses. Many Somalis, even though hardened by tumultuous years, guardedly are holding out hope for a new government, even if it takes lawmakers months to work out details in Baidoa. But they also believe that even a 14th failure wouldn't doom the country. It's amazing that even after 15 years, there are still some people that want government to come back. Life has to go on even in Somalia, said Momad Rush, country representative of the Italian Charity Coordination Committee of the Organization for Voluntary Service, based in Mirka. For many Americans, the overriding perception of Somalia remains frozen in time from that violent day in October 1993, when U.S. Special Forces and Somali street fighters, plus armed women and children, battled in the streets of Mogadishu. Eighteen U.S. troops and hundreds of Somalis were killed, and the corpses of U.S. soldiers were dragged through the streets. Mm. And that's not because they hate people in America. It's because they didn't appreciate U.S. troops coming into their country. Months later, the U.S. mission... Which started as it's a shame we went to their their country. It's a shame that those uh, th- those people had to die. Which started as Operation Restore Hope, aiming to create a secure environment for the delivery of food aid, ended today. The biggest dangers remain clan violence as well as an emerging threat. The country is home to perhaps a few hundred sympathizers or members of Al Qaeda, according to Somali and Western analysts who've studied the situation. Mogadishu, even before the latest surge in violence, has been largely off-limits to Westerners because of recent threats to kidnap or kill them. The UN has also kept its expatriate staff from traveling to uh, to a southern city because of suspected terrorist activities. Both areas are believed to have cells of al-Qaeda sympathizers. Of course, the al-Qaeda claims are going to be uh, used as excuses to send more troops in. But, by many indicators, most Somalis have adapted to the volatile circumstances, creating private companies that lay water pipes or string electric wires to homes.
1: Can you imagine? What? People can have
0: running water in their homes or, private elec- companies or can electricity do it? without the government? In Somalia, of all places, right? Mm-hmm. This is the third world. This is in Africa. I mean, where do they get the technology from? How do these people know how to lay these water pipes and these electric lines? Well, guess what? When the marketplace is left to its own uh, initiatives people in search of profit figure out these things they set up money transfer operations that distribute tens of millions of dollars every month sent by Somali expatriates to their families and friends and establishing private schools that often rely on (gasps) volunteer teachers whoa you mean that if we actually get the government out of education that people will step up and and actually volunteer to teach You mean that that people aren't actually demanding a paycheck for this?
1: Oh, I don't think that uh, that would last long. I would think professional teachers would step
0: in pretty quickly. But my point is, people are doing it voluntarily. Mm -hmm. More's on the way. This is Free Talk Live, the latest in Somalia. It's Free Talk Live. Take control. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231, the packet, 8.net, toll-free line. It is the live Saturday edition, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. Updates are available. To get signed up, we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the list. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get signed up for free, of course. That's updates.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a
1: full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. Now we're talking about
0: Somalia. It's uh, one of the countries in Africa, and as you may know, in the 1990s, the early 90s, the government was ousted uh, violently. And, unfortunately, when violence is involved in the ouster of a government, there's usually violence that follows that, uh, and that's just the way it seems to be. But all things considered, considering all of the violence that Somalis have seen, it's an amazing story what has happened over the past decade and a half, over the last 15 years in Somalia. The things that have, uh, have, uh, I think, surprised a lot of people. Because a lot of people believe that without government around, then there's going to be chaos. There's going to be a lot of uh, terrible things happening, and government keeps everybody safe and and secure. When, in fact, that's just not the case. Um, In fact, government is is nothing more than an armed gang of people acting as though they're keeping people safe and secure. It's it's all kind of an illusion. Um, What they do is they play politics, and they give people... Uh, who there are who are their friends, the elected officials, they help their friends out, who might own companies and they give them perks, and then they punish the enemies they punish their uh, their enemies by maybe giving uh, adding more regulations to their business or somehow harming their businesses. in the case of Somalia, there's no government around to trade favors or to uh, to to punish enemies, so it's just sort of a, a, a blank slate, if you will now it's not perfect um, at all. There's still some violence going on in Somalia, and it's because people keep trying to reinstall governments there. And there are certain factions that are saying, no, we don't want your governments. Keep them the heck out. And then there's the whole warlord factor as well, and we'll address that here in moments. But this is uh, from the Boston Globe, just sort of giving you an update on what's going on in Somalia. So... In many cases, what is happening is validating some of the things we say here on Free Talk Live, and that is that were certain services left to the marketplace, the marketplace would be easily be able to handle them. As this points out, Somalis have adapted to the volatile circumstances, creating private companies that lay water pipes or string electric wires to homes, setting up money transfer operations that distribute tens of millions of dollars every month sent by Somali expatriates to their families and friends, and establishing private schools that often rely on volunteer teachers. Now, you're right, Mark, that in... Here in America, certainly teachers are going to get paid, but whenever we talk about ending government education on this show, inevitably the objection comes up, well, what about the poor? What about the people that can't afford an education uh, to pay two or $3,000 a year to send their kids to school? And our answer is always, well, charity. Charity will take care of it, and we, we usually back it up by the evidence of, well, Americans are the most charitable people in the world. We give billions of dollars every year to various different charities, and if we were to have all of our tax money that we currently pay out to government kept in our pockets, we'd be able to give even more to those charities. And I think that's a good answer, but I think it's also important to point out that even in Somalia, where they don't have the wealth that uh, Americans have, they still manage to put together schools for the kids poor. are getting an education.
1: Can you imagine right.
0: in Somalia
1: without public without public government schools?
0: Right, and people who care because people care even in Somalia people care. They're stepping forward and volunteering their services to to help kids in Mogadishu alone, a city of three million, a hundred thousand students attend private schools, many of them funded by Islamic charities. Hey, you know what? We were right. Charities really can send kids to school.
1: And in this country, it would not likely be Christian charity as opposed to uh, Islamic ones. Cause... Or
0: whatever. The absence of a central government has many, many people used to functioning without it, says Naruddin Farah. Somalia's most famous writer, now living in Cape Town, said in a recent interview he visits Somalia regularly. Uh, Christian Balsev Olasin, UNICEF's country director in Somalia, said the growth of private initiatives is easy to understand, even with the risks. Why, he asked? Well, because they can make a business out of it. In Jawar, about 50 miles west of Mogadishu, Hunsi Ahmed Aral started his private water business a few years ago with help from UNICEF, which rehabilitated the town's largest water tank. Aral ran into trouble in his first year, though, when several warlords demanded money, sometimes as much as $100 a day.
1: Protection money.
0: Yes. Kind of like taxes. But one warlord, Mohammed Omar Habeb, also known as Mohammed Dare, eventually wiped out the other warlords. Now, Dare, who is the self-declared governor, charges Aral $50 a month for security. Mm. So the the warlords initially wanted $100 a day. This guy came in, wiped them out, and now is charging only $50 a month for security. Aral says, (laughs) the business owner says, we call it a public-private partnership. Aral's business is flourishing. Remember, he provides water. In fact, drinking water to the town of 36000 at a cost of $0.70 for every 250 gallons. That seems pretty reasonable. 70 cents for 250 gallons? Seems like it to me. And has enough profit to also pay the salaries of all 14 teachers at one school as a community service. Hmm. He says, we do it better than the old government. So can you imagine this? The guy who's providing water to the town just feels like building a school and providing education for, uh, for the kids in town because he's got enough evil profit to do that with.
1: Well, the U.N. just wants to rush in there and put a government in place, don't they?
0: Apparently they do.
1: So that they can run it inefficiently. Because say what you want about government, necessary, not necessary. I believe that in some areas the government's necessary. Um, it's not water. You cannot argue that government is inefficient and bureaucratic. You and mean
0: you can't argue that it isn't those things, right?
1: I said it. it is. Government is inefficient. It is inefficient, and inefficient. right. And okay. it is bureaucratic. Right. And, you know, that's that's just what happens. So if it's going to
0: provide water, well, it's going to do it inefficiently and bureaucratically. Across town in a particularly poor section, one elementary school is run by a local women's group, which recruited volunteer teachers. Al-Mahmed Ahaji, the head of Jawar's women's group, said, Since the government collapsed, almost all the men were involved in violence and war. It's been the women who have built back the livelihoods and helped the community service. Wow. In two canvas tents one day recently, four teachers gave lessons on mathematics, Arabic, and Somali to 170 students. I love education," said Kajiza Abukadir. I'm trying my best. <laughs> uh, Abukadir Amari, eight, who had never gone to school until this one opened two months ago. I love it so much that I want to be a teacher. In Merca, the Italian charity. I mean, what a great attitude! They're being taught on a private basis, so inevitably they're actually enjoying their education. I mean, by eight years old, when I was in go- uh, government school, I remember we were already being burned by the system. People were. Al- it was already cool to be stupid. And uh, and that sort of thing. That education sucked and school sucked. It didn't take very long for kids to figure that out. Government schools. Yeah, I I
1: think I I liked school most of the time. Um, still till it got to be high school. Of course, that was government
0: school. In Merca, the Italian charity C O S V has been supporting three hospitals, eleven health clinics, and nine small health offices for many years. So, uh, but its funding ran out two years ago, forcing health institutions to support themselves, said the health manager for Somalia. When projects used to end here, the programs would collapse, but this time it was different. They found money themselves for two years, among the sources small patient fees, community groups, and Somalis living abroad. (laughs) I imagine this they're providing health care without government help, Mark. Uh, Supposedly, that's how we
1: were supposed to do it in this country, but we're not. on the
0: way. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live Live, Saturday edition. You take control. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That's the packet. 8.net. It's a free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. freetalklive.com. The wiki's there. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. In fact, it's way bigger than our website is. There's 1,200 pages, more than 1,200 pages, created by listeners like you. And you can go there and edit it to your heart's content, or just surf around, wiki.freetalklive.com. I think you'll find it really interesting. Wiki live.com And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the second American revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. We are talking about Somalia and some of the interesting things that have happened over there in the absence of government. And one of those things is that, well, businesses are able to spring up at a moment's notice. Nobody has to go and ask some government bureaucracy for permission to make a living for themselves anymore. You mean the, the, the guy who's providing water isn't poisoning everybody with his water? Believe it or not, he's not. In fact, I had an email come in recently that suggested, and I'll do my best to pull it up here, that suggested that very thing would happen were we to go to a free market here, that companies would just start poisoning people, and it was just absolutely absurd. It's not happening in Somalia. It wouldn't happen here. Customers, uh, business owners want their customers to live so they can continue buying things. It,
1: it, it well, you know, if if a company were to make a, a erroneous claims and it caused somebody harm, um, they would be, you would be able to bring it up in court. I mean, that's how that issue would be solved. Um, it, let, let's face it, the tobacco companies do poison their customers.
0: Yeah, but it, they know they're hurting themselves. It's not like you're drinking water they, and there's altered, arsenic in it it's uh it's tobacco and you know that breathing smoke into your lungs is going to harm you I don't think you need a surgeon general's warning to figure out that might be damaging to your health.
1: I would concur with you that they don't need the warning but uh, tobacco companies altered tobacco i mean it's not just tobacco if you smoke sure, cigars chemicals in there um, if you smoke cigars and inhale them I mean good hand rolled cigars and inhaled them you're not going to have the problems with lung cancer that you are likely to have with cigarettes. There's a lot of chemicals that they've added to uh, cigarettes that make them dangerous.
0: Yeah, well, buyer beware. I mean, it's still dangerous to put smoke in your lungs either way. Whatever chemicals they've added to it, you know in advance of smoking that cigarette that there's a chance that it could damage you.
1: I still right? say the court systems would handle stuff
0: like that. one 800 259 is the packet 8.net toll-free line. So talking about just some, some of the ways the market will operate uh, in the absence of government regulation. And let's go to the phones and talk to John in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hi, guys. Hey, John. What's on your mind?
10: Hey, I'm listening to this about Somalia, and I'm really glad and happy to hear that things are going better there than they had previously. But those folks better be pretty damn careful. If this fellow that's uh, setting up the water company over there is taking a loan from UNICEF, Mm -hmm. Uh, UNICEF is a United Nations uh, program. So they're dealing with one of the biggest gangs that – that are exist on the planet you know they have long-term intentions uh if they're taking loans uh it's kind of like dealing with the mafia i suppose i don't think
0: it was a loan according to the article they rehabilitated uh they rehabilitated the town's water container essentially the whatever the whatever functions as a water tower over there i guess they rehabilitated that so i don't know if there was a loan involved
10: i i just hope that they'll be very careful because uh if the United Nations starts to get its hands on water supplies and electric and roads and other infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know this may be the uh, breeding ground for, uh, instead of having a national government, having a world government.
1: Yeah, they'd really like that.
10: Uh, I, I hope the Somalian people are, are wise enough to just say, stay the hell out. Hope they all like uh, act like Russell Canning.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
10: don't take their loans. Don't take their promises. Don't take their BS. Stay the hell away from us. We'll be okay.
0: Yep, exactly right. And it seems like they are going to be okay, as long as this uh, the next attempt at a government uh, fails, as the last 14 attempts have. Um, and if anything, it, it may very well be the warlords that are actually successfully keeping the government at
3: bay.
10: Well, it's funny. Uh, I don't know a lot about the history um, of Ireland, but being St. Patrick's Day, um, I recall reading years ago when people were trying to take Ireland, one of the problems that... Uh, big governments always had trying to take over that country or that island was that it was controlled locally by, you know, what today would be called warlords.
7: Mm -hmm. There were
10: uh, various types of courts. Uh, Things were handled so decentralized that when people came in and tried to fight against the Celts... um, they just had nothing that they could grasp.
0: There was nothing to fight. There were no reins right. of power to, well, uh, to it, take it hold of. it wasn't
10: that there was nothing to fight because they would always fight and kill the people. Uh, but there was nothing that they could grab hold of. <laughs> right, there were and, no. You know, uh, there they, was no. Once they get done warring on everybody, then what are you going to grab? That's when an you have excellent no point. There's nothing for the invader to grab.
0: Right. There's no spoils. Uh, there's no. Uh, there's, no in, there's no infrastructure for them to take hold of. There are no uh, police forces for them to capture and use for their own purposes. These are one I'm of
10: the. I'm uh, going to need to go back and look at that little bit of history there, and I hope that Somalia can repeat that because this will be this. This could be the, you know, the shining example in, in the world. It could be, but they need uh, the, the problem, though. They've got a lot John, of problems.
0: They've got problems. And, and and the problem is they didn't get rid of their government because they thought government was a bad idea. They just got rid of their government because they didn't like that particular government. And well, they did it on like a violent Union. basis. They got rid,
10: they they, they rid of their communist regi- regime. Right. But there's also generations that have become accustomed to that.
0: Sure, And, and it, now look it what shows they have. the type
10: of struggle that all of us are up against. There's a culture everywhere in the world that we've become used to thinking that government is an answer to lots of things. Right now, in the there Soviet are, Union... There are some small examples, like Ireland, you know, centuries ago... Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe Somalia is an example of something that's beginning today.
0: Now in, in the Soviet Union as another example of, of um you know moving in the right direction. Somalia moving in the right direction by not having a government. Unfortunately they went about it the wrong way in that it was a violent overthrow. But um uh, but in in the Soviet Union they decentralized at least in the Soviet Union. They're no longer this one big government there's uh, however many different states that it divided up into and as a result of those uh, those states dividing up there's been more competition and i believe it's estonia that's really the shining example of the most free market of the former soviet states um so because those states are no longer bound together by the soviet union they're setting their uh, their policies independently of one another there's some de- some degree of competition going on there and so things uh, conditions have improved sure
10: there you know, which, are still corrupt governments me. there this reminds me of something like uh, I, I read in the history books. Wasn't that kind of what the United States was supposed to be? Independent states? Yeah. There would be some competition among us? That was the original idea, which is why uh, I think geez, it would be... Maybe uh, maybe we need to take a look at that one, too.
0: I agree, which is why I'm a huge supporter of secession and getting the heck out of this United States uh, thing. Look up just, New
10: Hampshire, dude.
0: It's been an abject failure, and John, thank you for the call. Appreciate hearing Good from night. you at 800-259-9231 you know you look at the look at centralization around the world look at what is going on in Europe with the european nations now joining together to form the european union that's not making things better for people that's making it more bureaucratic it's making it more centrally controlled in the Soviet Union, where they decentralized, there's more competition between the states. Therefore, things are better. They're not great. You still got Vladimir Putin in Russia and all. Yeah, kinds Russia's of, having all kinds of problems. There's corrupt governments there still, but the, regardless, Estonia is doing better. Some of the other countries are doing far better than they used to under old Soviet rule. And so, it's more evidence, and as though we needed more evidence, it's more evidence that decentralization is the answer. And that's why I'm a huge proponent of secession right here in the United States. There's no, I have no love for the federal government. They don't do anything except enrich themselves and their friends and, and punish their enemies, just like all political things. Um, there, there's nothing different about them. You know,
1: if, if you have any questions about decentralization, ask yourself this. Would you like it if the government grew all the food? It sounds scary, We'd doesn't We'd all die. It? It be, there, there'd be bread lines. You can believe that, just like there was in the Soviet Union. If the government was in charge of growing food, then we would all be hungry. So, you know, if the government's no good at delivering something as important as food, why would we want all these other services like garbage collection, water, electricity, delivered by various
0: local and state governments? Indeed. Now let's flash back and go back in time to revolutionary times here in America and what was going on hundreds of years ago to this very day. You've got the story, don't you, Mark? Well, it has a lot to do with Boston Tea Party. We'll talk about it here in moments, 800-259-9231. And if I've got time, I did pull up the email about the guy that thinks we're all going to die of E. coli if uh, <laughs> if we went back to a free market system. More on the way, your calls as well if you make them, 800-259-9231. This is the Live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. The show is Free Talk Live. We only have a few moments remaining, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. 1-800-259-9231, the packet8.net. To free line for you, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. All kinds of neat features, all totally free. Though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com and get involved. It's 3 bucks a month. That's all we're asking for. Now, you know that all the features on our website are completely free, so this is above and beyond all that. This is for those of you that you know, they really like the show, really want to help us get on more radio stations, because that's what AMP is doing. Um, it's also getting us more Internet listeners as well. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote, and the idea is simple. You send in 3 bucks a month via either PayPal subscription or automated uh, credit card sort of deductions, and uh, we take that money in and we turn it around. ...into promoting the show. We buy industry advertising in, uh, say, for instance, Talkers Magazine to promote the show to more radio stations to get on more and uh, thereby get more listeners. We also buy internet advertising as well. There's other things we're doing with the money, and they're all enumerated there at amp.freetalklive.com. So you can see where the money's being spent. And uh, you also get perks. You get access to the Amplifier-only call-in lines, the Amplifier-only forum, and a few other things as well. So take a look and uh, get behind the show, like over 350 of our listeners have decided to do, voluntarily, of course, at amp.freetalklive.com. So we've been talking about uh, decentralization. We've been talking about governments versus no governments and the marketplace providing services. And a few hundred years ago, some people here in America were getting a little bit upset about what one King George the Third, I believe it was, was doing at the time. What was happening back then, Mark?
1: On March 1765, Great Britain imposed the Stamp Act upon March the, 17th,
0: 17. Oh wait, no. On March
1: March of 1765. Okay, gotcha. Um, Great Britain imposed the Stamp Act upon the American colonies. Although there had been other taxes upon the colonies, the Stamp Act was by far the most far-reaching. The Stamp Act, unlike any of its predecessors, was a direct tax. The act declared that all printed materials, including newspapers, pamphlets, bills, legal documents, licenses, almanacs, and playing cards were to be stamped and taxed. Wow. July 1765, the Sons of Liberty, an underground organization, opposed the Stamp Act. It was formed in a number of colonial towns. Its members used violence and intimidation to eventually force all of the British stamp agents to resign and also stop many American merchants from ordering British trades goods. Were those guys uh, insurgents? I, I I would think that the Sons of Liberty, the uh, founding the founders of our nation, were insurgents, mm-hmm. um, in, including uh, some of their activities, like I don't know the Boston Tea Party when they went and threw all King George's tea in the water. Mm. You know, these it's it's strange that uh, they went crazy over what was a two cent tax.
0: Yeah, I think it was a one percent tax or it something was like some that. Some
1: meager, meager little amount that our uh, our founding fathers. To were. us,
0: it seems meager. Right. To them, it was an right,
1: outrage. We, you know, we get taxed something like fifty percent if you consider all the income right. tax, the property taxes, the sales taxes, uh, the state income taxes, all the other taxes that we pay. Um, you know, one percent. Man, I'd love to pay a one percent tax, mm-hmm. but uh, that was too much um, for our uh, our founding fathers. November first. 1865, excuse me, that was 1765, was scheduled to be the first day of business under the Act. Most businesses and legal transactions in the colonies cease as the Stamp Act goes into effect with nearly all the colonists refusing to use stamps. In New York City, violence breaks out as mobs burn the royal governor in effigy, harass British troops, and then loot houses.
0: We don't have enough effigy burning going on today in America.
1: I think this looting houses is is a real shame. I would, um, you know, I would would hope that they would just go after the government, but it looks like some people lost some private property, and that's kind of how violent revolutions are. King George, um, finally, on March the 17th, 1766, King George III signs a bill repealing the Stamp Act after much debate.
0: Well, this isn't working.
1: Yep. In English Parliament, which included an appearance by Ben Franklin arguing for repeal and warning of possible revolution in the American colonies if the Stamp Act was enforced by British military. The Stamp Act... Really was the first of the grievances to unite the colonies against Great Britain. There were more subsequent taxes um, of the colonists' liberty, and but the uh, colonists were now vehemently opposed to draconian rule by the Crown of England. The hmm. Sons of Liberty stayed around to show the world just what the colonists thought about government imposed um, trade monopolies and taxes upon tea in the Boston Tea Party of 1773. You know, uh, you know, it's it's funny how our nation was. Uh, founded by a bunch of tax protesters, but now we just get behind the idea of tossing somebody in jail if they don't pay their taxes to the American government.
0: Right now, if you're a tax protester, you're a kook.
1: These taxes were so much less. Our founding fathers were tax protesters. They did not want a big, tyrannical government taking the fruits of their labors. They realized that they owned themselves and that any government that took um, taxes off of their income was taxing them, you know, the fruits of their labors. These, Enslaving them, these are my hands. If I make something with these hands and then sell that something, you want to take a piece of it? Who are you? Yeah, apparently you own me.
0: Yeah, that's it's, what the that's what I- essentially taxes are. They're uh, they're it's slavery. Right. I mean, it's plain if, and
1: simple. If I want to do anything to make a living, I've got to pay taxes to the Almighty American government. If I want to do buy and sell things, I've got to pay taxes, whether it's local or state or federal taxes. Right. It's and all I think taxes. I think and we making... do not need this big, giant, inefficient government. No, we don't. I'm not saying that we don't need government in any um, in any places. I'll say that though. I know you will. Right. I say that there's probably some areas where we could, uh, you know, the the government taxes would be fine. Like say gasoline for road taxes. Um, you know, some kind of a uh, fee for police services or something like that.
0: I like your observation, though, about how, you know, the the country was founded by tax protesters. But nowadays we've got the case of Ed Brown, for instance, in Plainfield, New Hampshire. You may not, you might have heard of him. Uh, he's a man in his 60s holed up in his home because the federal government wants to throw him in a jail cell, him and his wife, uh, for the rest of their lives. Because they decided they wanted to keep the money they earned, and they didn't pay out taxes to the Internal Revenue Service. And so now they're holed up in their home, waiting for the inevitable federal raid, which the feds claim they aren't going to do. Uh, of course, the feds also want to sentence this guy and throw him in jail, so at some point, it seems like something's going to happen. But but the way they're painting Ed Brown, this man who's who's holed up in his home, they're painting him as though he's some sort of crazy, uh, crazy kooky tax protester. When, in fact, he's just a guy who provided, uh, he provided pest control services to people on a voluntary basis, mm-hmm. earned his living, and bought a house and retired with his wife, who happens to be a dentist, providing people services that they wanted to buy. These people are just regular folk. Who just made a living. They didn't, they never harmed anybody, but now the whole uh, apparatus of the federal government is after them, and they're painting them with this brush of, well, these people are insane. These people are crazy for not paying uh, taxes to the federal government. And it's a really, it's just a totally different mindset. And there are plenty of Americans out there who are just going to fall lockstep in with the government uh, mindset and say, yeah, that's not fair. I have to pay taxes and they're not paying. They should be forced to pay. Throw them in a jail cell. It's this sort of uh, herd. Mentality of the of the American people today, and it's really sad. And of course, it's uh, probably a direct result of uh, government educating the American people. You know, back in the 1700s, I don't know if governments were in charge of the schools back then. I don't think they were. No, I think that weren't. happened in the late 1800s. So people were being uh, independently educated. By, the, uh, by their family and their friends. You know, I, I, the, our founding fathers really
1: understood concepts of liberty and freedom a heck of a lot better than Americans do today. It's true. You know, uh, freedom now in America seems to just be equated to democratic elections. If we're going to go free a country like we did in um, Iraq, well, they're free because they got to democratically elect their, um, their rulers. Their, their rulers. I don't think democracy equates to freedom. Freedom is the Oops. ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. As long as you don't harm someone else. That's that's correct. Um, well, That's the responsibility angle. Th- that's the responsibility angle of it. I mean, it's still that that uh, freedom is what you want to do when you want to do it. Dem- democ- a democratically elected government is just, you know, democracy is just two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. It's true. You know, democracy managed to keep uh, black slaves in this country. I, I, I'm, I'm not so, I'm not convinced. I'm not sold on democracy. I am sold on freedom.
0: Now uh, this is not typical what we do here, but uh, I have a call coming into the amplifier line. Figure we'll take it on air, completely unscreened, because we've only got a few moments left. Who's this? You're on Free Talk Live.
10: This is the Christian Anarchist. Hi Gene, there,
0: Gene. Only moments yeah. remain. What's on your mind?
10: Oh, I just uh, I was listening to a podcast of I think two days ago, and you guys were talking about well-regulated militia, and you talk, and I, I think it was Mark said something about uh, well-regulated, and kind of inferred that it meant. Uh, controlled or restricted or something of that nature. But um, the meaning of well-regulated militia in the Second uh, Amendment means a well-functioning or a well-trained militia. You know, guys that are on the top of their game, that's basically what it means. So regulated means well-trained.
0: I agree. I think we both actually agree with you, Gene. I think Mark was pointing out on that particular day that some people in the government would like it to mean otherwise. Uh, Certain government courts have have essentially said that, well, this means that it's the government that must control and regulate these things, which, of course, is not the case. Gene, thanks for the call. It has been Ian here with you. And Mark. And uh, it is, of course, uh, the live Saturday edition, this being St. Patrick's Day, so a lot of people out on the town, out and about, bar hopping around, that sort of thing. Be careful. Be careful. Make sure that if you're too drunk, take a cab home, get the car the next day, have a designated driver and all that good stuff, because we don't want any dead listeners come tomorrow. All right, and in the meantime, enjoy yourselves, have fun, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you Monday online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used, and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your Purchase will go to FreeTalk
3: Live when you enter Amazon through amazon.freetalklive.com.